Welcome, everybody. It is episode 33 of Football A Podcast. I'm here with Matt. We have a little bit of an abridged version uh, today with just you and I. Um, some serious stuff to talk about, but then we have some funny stuff with Rodgers and the Browns. But, um, yeah, what's going on, Matt? Who would have guessed that week eight was going to be just the absolute dumpster fire for so many of these teams? Like, I can't, I can't remember one week with as many, like, controversy, controversies or, like, crazy things happen all in one week and affecting, like, multiple teams. Yeah, I feel like with the the Roger stuff is is you know doesn't have anything to do with the play on the field, but I think a lot of teams are in that phase with combined with the trade deadline of figuring out okay have we met expectations have we not, and some of them are panicking as you can see in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean Cleveland's the big one. Um, I mean I can't I can't believe that one loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers could throw this team into such complete and utter disarray. Um, it, it's it's truly, truly uh, in only Brown's fashion the way that a season can go. And I think they had, had you know given themselves false hope because they're thinking, okay, if we go five and three and – you know, if we beat the Seeders, go five and three, you know, work, we kind of ride the ship a little bit. We're right there. But now all of a sudden it's four and four last in the division. And that is a much scarier uh, position to be in for them. And I think that's leading to some panic. And then OBJ, it was only a matter of time. It was everyone knew it was only a matter of time until oh, yeah. something happened. And it finally happened literally the day before uh, the trade deadline, which he probably should yeah. have started bitching a, a little bit earlier, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure um, what his major gripe is. Um, listen, Odell Beckham is not the only individual who believes that Odell or individuals who believe that Odell Beckham is still a good NFL wide receiver are Odell Beckham and Odell Beckham's dad. That's it. He's not a good wide receiver. His route running's poor. Uh, he can't just out athlete everybody on the field because his body's broken down. He's had numerous especially lower body injuries, which have a, a much more drastic effect on you. This guy is not the same player that he was in New York, and he was overrated in New York. Um, outside of, I mean, really one catch made his entire career. He had a couple of decent performances uh, while in New York, but he's done, I mean, he's done nothing since 2016. So why, why is this the biggest news in the entire world that Odell Beckham is upset with Cleveland? Um, it's, it's hokey. It's pretty stupid. Um, and the fact of the matter with this Cleveland Browns team, I mean, to be honest with you, who have they beaten? I mean, they beat the Bears. They beat the Texans. They barely beat uh, absolutely definition of mediocrity Minnesota Vikings team. And they beat a junk Broncos team. I mean, they haven't done anything. They haven't proven anything to anybody. They've been blown out in really any close game that they played. They lost a close game to the Chargers, but the Chargers have proven over the last couple of weeks that maybe the Chargers aren't quite as good as we expected because their only impressive win is over the Chiefs, who, guess what, aren't as good as we thought they were. <laughs> um, and there's no team. I think I, I kind of talked about this a little bit with uh, – uh, our our fantasy football group chat. There's no team that listens to the noise and is more affected by the noise and the drama surrounding an organization than the Cleveland Browns. And because of that, I mean, I'm looking down their schedule. 
I don't see maybe the Lions. They have one game against the Lions, but their remaining schedule for the year, Bengals, Patriots, Ravens twice, Raiders, Packers, Steelers again, Bengals again. And they have a game against the Lions that are sort of trickled in there. So they'll beat the Lions. Do you think they'll win any of these other games? Uh, not, not like sure, not an automatic win. Like you look at the Lions, you're like, yeah, they're going to win that game. But no, nothing right. easy. Nothing is going to be easy for them. Yeah, I would say maybe the Raiders, but uh, I, I don't even, even trust that. I don't think that. I think that's the Raiders are tougher than what people think. Um, I think the Odell thing. I see. I'm not as negative on him as as you are. I still think he can play a little bit. I don't think he's as great as what he or his father believes him to be. But I I blame most of the issue, the Cleveland issues, on Mayfield between him and Odell. Um, Odell's gotten open. Odell has you know been available to make some nice plays for them, and Baker just hasn't gotten him the ball. That said, you know. I, Odell is absolutely overrated, and I think this highlights a portion of the, the a part of the Browns organization that, you know, like you said, they listen to noise. They are any team that was secure in its leadership would have just traded Odell, or if they had no if they had no trade partners for him this past week, they would have. Um, they would have just cut him. It wouldn't take them. I mean, he's still on their roster. They dismissed him from practice, and they still haven't cut him yet. You know, it, it's any any team securing their leadership would have said, you know, this isn't working out. Don't care how this looks. Don't care if we have to eat crow for trading him. Like it doesn't matter. We just have to. We have Donovan's people's uh, Jones behind him who who hasn't been terrible, um, you know, when he's replaced him in the past. So they would just move on and just say, you know, whatever. But this organization is so. They haven't won a lot, so they need to they need to make sure that everything they're doing, you know, jives with fans or jives with what NFL expectations are. And that's real things among executives in the NFL. No one wants to be seen as the dummy. And I think Cleveland, they're paralyzed by that fear right now. And um, I mean, we'll see what happens. But um, what a disappointing team that was. Here's here's a question I'll throw out. um, And I'd love to get your perspective on it. And Baker Mayfield's up for a for a contract extension at some point in time here shortly i think maybe at the end of the season if i'm if i'm correct um do you extend baker just you i mean not even what you i think the browns are going to but you you don't extend him no i wouldn't extend him i don't know for any amount um the browns i think are going to extend him for far more than what they should but I mean, you're going to have you're going to have Deshaun Watson available, Aaron Rodgers available, Russell Wilson probably available. Um, you know, you're going to have quality quarterbacks who can do better, uh, if not the same product, or can give you the same production, if not more than what Baker can, um, for for much less than. Th- and you're not tying him. I mean, that is it's going to be a Jared Goff contract. Like that's how badly the Browns will regret paying him if it's. 30 40 million dollars baker on a rookie deal not bad not a bad option for your rising franchise baker at 35 40 million dollars a year will ruin your franchise what about you yeah i'm in complete agreement um the amount of um the the burden that he would be on their cap if for a team that still needs a number one wide receiver they still need a number two receiver at this point in his career jarvis landry's a number three um, 
this is a team that needs to completely revamp its passing game. Let's not mention that they have, or let's not forget to mention that they still have a pretty significant contract on Austin Hooper, who's done nothing in yeah. his tenure in Cleveland. I mean, he's he really hasn't been. Um, I don't know for how long they've locked Kareem Hunt up, but he would probably be somebody that I would expect to probably try to move on from Cleveland after this season, try to see if he can establish himself as yeah. a true number one somewhere. I mean, why wouldn't he? Because he's been fantastic this season, uh, barring injury. So you're going to – and let's also not forget to talk about um, the money they spent last season or last off season on you know, John Johnson, some of the other names that we've talked about. Those are pretty significant contracts, and those guys have not performed. And there's throwing a, a hefty Baker Mayfield contract on that for what you've received from Baker Mayfield thus far is absolutely uh, um, moronic. Uh, I'm looking, I'm trying to find the contract for Cream um, um, Hunt. So I'm looking for it now. Yeah, so next year, base salary, 1.3 million. 2022, 1.3 million. So they got him at a pretty good deal. Looks like they have him for maybe one more season. Okay, well, they'll uh, have him for one more gone. season. Yeah, yeah. but, but just, to, just to think about it, I mean, you're right with the Jared Goff comparison. I mean, the, this type of contract is going to torpedo a team. Um, and he just frankly... I'm not impressed by Baker. I was. We talked about this in the AFC North preview. Uh, it was why that I was not in on the Browns winning this division. Um, he just doesn't produce, and his big games, like he does not elevate the people around him. Um, can't even. Not even just looking at like last week against Pittsburgh, but in really his entire career, he just isn't the type of guy that can carry a franchise. He doesn't elevate players in the way that. Uh, a premier quarterback should be. He's not a premier quarterback. He's barely a top 15, and I think that's being generous. See, this is where I disagree with you a little bit because I'm not as low on Baker, even though I just said this is like a Jared Goff contract. When he has been healthy, he's played well. This year, that shoulder injury is affecting it because the first two games before the shoulder injury, he played pretty well. Um, and then since then, it's been... Uh, it's been... Uh, it's been difficult for him to say the least. And, but this go also goes back to his decision-making like this is, I'm also not buying Baker because of the person he is. Like after he first got hurt, he stood up in front of the, the meeting was like, Oh, I decide if I'm playing this week or not. Like, Oh, this is on me. No one can really question that. And then he actually pushes the play last week where, you know, it's just this overall decision-making that I, you know, cause when you're buying a quarterback, you're buying on and off the field things. You're buying his decision-making. You're buying, buying his presence you're you're buying a CEO essentially and that's where it's just like you know the skill set is okay when he's healthy but then all this other stuff around him I'm just I'm out you know I just don't I just don't want any of it so yeah no I think I think you're right in a couple of different ways um the part that kind of stuck out to me and this will be the last thing before we move on um he got hit going out of bounds against mm -hmm. Pittsburgh I think it was Minka Fitzpatrick, who's got a little bit of a dirty streak to him, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> and um, ends up throwing Baker uh, across the sideline into the into the bench. Baker gets up, 
and he's doing the pump up celebration like he you know got a first down or he did get a first down yeah. but like but he's doing all that stuff so the question i have to ask is he's you know again he's not lifting his left arm and everything but he just took a big shot gets up jumping around throwing his arm punching his arm out in the air and your left shoulder supposed to hurt <laughs> well he's so shot with toradol yeah, I guess, but I mean, maybe, maybe, but it's hard to concentrate some of that stuff. So it would probably be affecting, you know, other components of his body. So I don't know. I just look at it and I go like, I, I don't know. I, not the question of the guy's toughness, because I think he is a tough player, but, but you're supposed to be hurt and you're jumping around after a hit and you ran to the bench like that should have hurt. And maybe he's placating for the crowd or whatever. But I was just, I was a little bit like, I was watching that play. And I was like, eh. That's a little sketchy to me. But then Jarvis Landry fumbled on the next play, which was just the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just, I don't think Cleveland's going anywhere this year. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, from, well, what do you want to talk, talk next? Uh, Rogers. I mean, we have Rogers, we have rugs, we have Calvin Ridley. Hmm. Um, I mean, the thing with Rugs, I mean, it's just it's a it's like it's a terrible situation for, for yeah. everyone for Rugs for the family. I mean, it's just yeah. sad all around. Um, yeah, it's a it's a hard situation, and when it comes to like, I am more than willing and able to be critical of people that are you know doing things on the football field, things that seem you know inconsequential. Like, yeah, I can I can you know, make fun of Aaron Rodgers for his pretend COVID vaccination, right? I can make fun of Baker Mayfield for, or criticize the Browns or Odell Beckham and all these different things. Cause these things are inconsequential um, in the grand scheme of things like, Oh man, random football player is going to try to play for a different team. Like, wow, that's not big on the grand yeah. scale. Um, the thing with rugs, I, I don't know what's going on in Henry Ruggs's life. I don't know what degree of immaturity would have led to the decisions that he made. I know there are going to be drastic consequences for those things, not just for him, but for the person who, who unfortunately passed away. Um, it's hard for me to be critical or judgmental when these particularly devastating and big things with real life consequences happen. Um, because we are not in Henry Ruggs's head and we've all been, 21, 22 years old, we've all been pretty stupid. And I'm sure at a certain stage of the game, every one of us could have been in a situation where if one thing happened wrong, one wrong decision, there's life-changing consequences to these things. And Henry Ruggs is unfortunately going to have to deal with that. Um, but your sentiment is exactly right, that this is just sad for everybody involved. And I don't want to sound like you know, I'm defending rugs because what he did was blatantly wrong. But I just, you know, there's just so much. First of all, the, the primary victims are the woman who who was killed and her immediate and extended family. Uh, like the, that's the prime victims, number one. But there's been a lot of hate on rugs. And I just, you know, it's sad all the way around. It's like, you know, this guy goes from and of course, he made the decision to put himself here. But he goes from an up and coming receiver one day to, you know, living, having literally over overnight having to change, you know, he is now responsible for someone's death. He's going to, you know, serve prison time. I mean, and then you think of the family who's grieving, right? Like, it's just, it's terrible. So. 
Yeah. I think, I think for, for our purposes here, the only thing we can really say is, is to extend condolences to, to the, the victim. I don't know this individual's name, but the victim and their family. And, you know, you can also be, um, graceful and merciful enough to extend the same thing to Henry Ruggs and his family, because there's, there's, uh, obviously a transformation that's going to happen. Um, I think there's a, a separate kind of transformation that probably needs to happen in Henry Ruggs's life. Um, and this is a thing that he's going to have to live with. And, you know, one thing to do something with malice aforethought, it's one thing to just make a bad decision and end up in, in this type of situation. I know he would never wish this, um, at all to have happened i'm sure that's the huge regret that he feels today but these are two two lives in all reality um that are lost and forever changed um so we just you know wish the best and and um you know for for everyone involved that there's some kind of healing and uh forgiveness that eventually uh, comes around i know it's hard to do that now but yeah it's um just sadness all around and there's no really easy way to transition away from this, but part of this with the issue, the scenario with Henry Ruggs also dovetails into something that I want to talk about in terms of Roger Goodell and the NFL after in tandem with like the Aaron Rodgers thing. And I'll kind of connect the points here in a second. But um, like I said, no good trans way to transition from it. But the, the Rogers, um, the Rogers fake vaccine you mentioned a little bit earlier, what uh what are your what are your thoughts on the fake vaccine lying Rogers? Yeah, the um, the Rogers situation is a precarious and very strange one, um, and unfortunately, it seems to come as no surprise to this podcast that Aaron Rodgers uh, did something <laughs> disingenuous. Yeah, shocked. Um, listen, I'm not in the business of talking about people's vaccination statuses. I think it's a uh, it's certainly a, a private decision that everyone can make. I will not be sharing mine on the podcast. I won't be asking people um, whether or not they've done it or not. Um, but I think the situation to to be in a situation where an organization, uh, two organizations, really the Green Bay Packers as well as the NFL, require a legitimate status update and you at least put out in the media or uh, and especially to your teammates that like kind of a false narrative i think bodes really poorly for rogers i think it's a really bad look for him i think it's going to be a bad look for him amongst teammates um, i don't know how widely this was socialized so maybe it was like kind of the the open secret in the locker room I that think some players knew I don't know how many some, though. yeah, some people may may have known. I'm not sure, but I think it just puts Green Bay in a really bad position. I think it it reflects very poorly on Rodgers um, because we've talked about this quite a bit, and this is a very stark example of it. That Aaron Rodgers is more interested in public perception yeah. and what people think of him uh, than he is about really doing anything genuine or authentic. Um, and the example and precedent that kind of sets. I mean, there's probably other people in that locker room that look to Aaron Rodgers and look to his influence on whether they were going to get vaccinated or whether they chose not to be vaccinated. Um, and so imagine if you're like a young quarterback and you come into the quarterback room and Rodgers is like, well, I got vaccinated and you know, we all should too because, you know, 
we don't want to be forfeiting games and this season we're going for a Super Bowl. So you go ahead and get vaccinated and all of a sudden you find out that Aaron Rodgers <laughs> lied to you. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a major uh, violation of trust. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? I think it's just another confirmation of the person that we think Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, the immunization thing, and I texted this today. I wish I would have beat the drum harder on that when he first made that comment because it was so, to me, the term immunization, it's rarely used anymore. And it struck me as odd. Like my ears perked up then and then I just didn't think anything of it. I was like, whatever, vaccine. But they really are different. And, you know, uh, like if I'm writing this book right now, for example, but I'm using it. Uh, I did. I had to do research on like Abigail Adams and John Adams and things like that. Not to bore everyone here who listens to the podcast. But for an example, immunization is like natural infection. Like what happens with smallpox. Like when and when Abigail Adams and her and her sons and her daughters got immunized, they put a piece of smallpox in an open cut and naturally got infected by it. They didn't have a vaccine. So it, it should have perked up then that this guy is just weird enough, uh, believes in strange enough things where he probably tried to do something similar and considered it a vaccination. Um, I just, I wish we would have kept on that because, you know, looking back at that press conference, like how stupid can we be that we didn't, we didn't, we thought that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't sink that low, you know? The John Adams thing makes sense. I don't want to go. I don't want to bore everyone and go way off track. But it's just different terms. Like vaccine and immunization are different terms used mm-hmm. synonymously now, and they really they really do mean slightly different things. So, um, and I think yeah. he used that leverage, that gap in between there, to say, "Well, I never technically lied. You know, I you know I was immunized. You guys just didn't follow up on it. Blah blah blah. You know, just typical Roger like weaselness." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just counting his his weird off-season holdout that wasn't a holdout kind of deal. Um, This guy just doesn't seem to be an overly genuine dude or a very forthright person. Um, And it it depends how it's going to play in the the locker room. I'm not entirely sure. There may be people that know him in that locker room. They're like, I don't care. And, hey, he he said what he said. And, you know, that may may not matter to them. but it is going to affect them on the field. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see we're going to get potentially two Jordan love starts. Um, because apparently because Rogers is not vaccinated, there's a 10 day window and they play on Sunday and then their very next game, um, this could bleed into the next week. Mm. And so we potentially are going to get two. um, Jordan Love starts, and it'll be very interesting to see because Love had a decent preseason. But we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be leaving. That That's on the horizon. And what if we have sort of a Kaepernick-Alex Smith situation yeah. where all of a sudden Jordan Love comes in, he lights it up, Matt LaFleur just goes, hey, you know what? I'm going to ride with this guy. I think he gives us the best chance to win. And all of a sudden, Rodgers is relegated to the bench. Um, you know what that actually plays out. That's a that's a hypothetical yeah. scenario, but it is a feasible one, uh, given that Love could have two starts, um, one against Kansas City, and I believe their next game following that. Let me just look it up real quick. Um, yeah, Kansas City, and then they've got Seattle with Russell Wilson back. So these are two quality teams that if Jordan Love plays really well 
if I'm Matt LaFleur and I'm the guy making the decision, hey, why don't I just prove early early on that that I can run with, with love? I don't know. I think that would be a tough call to make. Um, I do, you know, love hasn't, that's putting a lot on love. And Alex, Aaron Rodgers certainly is an Alex Smith. Love has looked good for what, one series and a preseason game? And everything else beyond that has been pretty questionable. So I think that's just a lot of think of, of hoping, hey, he's going to go off these next two weeks. Yeah, that's true. I do want to this, – this does bring up something interesting, and this is where I want to bring the Ruggs-Rogers thing kind of together when we're talking about the NFL. This also does bring up, you know, when did the NFL know this? Had he been getting tested every day, um, you know, as a non-vaccinated player? Has the NFL fined him for, you know, being on the sideline without a mask, um, you know, like all vaccinated players must do? So this brings up multiple questions of, you know, when, you know, again, what did Goodell and, and the NFL know and when did they know it? And my point, my larger point is there you rare and, you know, to, to kind of go off track a little bit, you rarely see CEOs stay on through the founding of the company getting funding, going public. You rarely see that because it takes such an incredibly different skill set to accomplish each of those. I was lucky when I worked for Paycom, I had, you know, a, a decade long view of, of someone who had that unique skill set in order to do it. But it's not it's very rare. And the change in recent decades from, you know, fantasy football, gambling, direct TV, all of this has taken the NFL to a level that it's not ready to be at. And I think it's past Goodell's skill set. Um, mm. I think that, you know, he's, he, for the longest time, the commissioner could be like a pincushion. You know, he could just stand, he could just stand up for the owners, take all the backlash, and then move on. But I think this is, this, the commissionership now calls for someone who cannot just, you know, real things need to be done about officiating, about vaccine statuses, about, Issues like the Washington football team, ex coming expansion, like college football, NIL, um, you know, and then this is when I get to the rugs with the intake role of players, like educating players from a young age. So they don't make s stupid mistakes like Henry Ruggs did. The real things need to be done about this. The NFL's MO this year has been we're just going to not say anything. We're not going to say anything about the officiating, not going to say anything about Washington football team. And you're going to, and you get to a certain point in this, the, you know, how big the NFL is, and you need an actual executive who understands how to plan, strategize, and lay out the future of this league so that it doesn't come under constant attack. With, with things like this. Like Adam Silver has taken the NBA to a new level than David Stern did because he was, he's been very proactive in changing the game, making it better, making it safer, sticking up for players. Like everyone loves Adam Silver and the NFL needs that with their next commissioner. I know Goodell maybe wants to get out in a few years, but when the owners are looking for a new commissioner, it has to be someone that is not just going there. Whose only role is to take the flack of media, fans, players, teams, etc. It needs be someone who's focused on making processes that can keep this game safe, can keep this game out of legal and um, and um, public uh, legal trouble and public scrutiny. It needs to be someone who can you know maintain the quality of the NFL. So that's kind of my rant and how I want to tie both of those together. But I think that's something real that needs to be looked at in the you know the coming years. Yeah, when with Roger Goodell, the only real change that i have noticed um is one very empty 
um, social justice posturing. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's been a, a pretty significant one. It, it, nothing to say about those causes in, in of their own right. Or, you know, I'm sure all of these things, the cancer awareness, the, the end racism stuff, the, you know, a lot of those things, they're valid causes. They're great causes. Uh, I'm sure the NFL does funnel some money, but a lot of it it doesn't feel very authentic the way they do it. Um, I think it's a lot of posturing. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing that I've really seen that's become more prevalent uh, during Goodell's tenure has been, um, for lack of a better term, just pandering um, to different types of demographics, pandering to Latin Americans, pandering to in some of the, the commercials and things, pandering to different people groups and stuff. Um, that doesn't feel like an authentic growth of of the sport yeah. um, or trying to expand things into different regions. I mean, we, we do the Mexico City game like once uh, in a blue moon. I don't even know if we have one this particular year, yeah, but I think sure. it's over like a once every two or three year thing. Um, but it's a lot of pandering. And it's all very surface level stuff. So it's not that we don't want to expand our game into Latin America. It's not that we don't want to expand our game into Europe um, and, and do some different things overseas to, to really build the game from the ground up. A lot of it is like, let's just put people in commercials yeah. or let's just send targeted marketing towards people or let's highlight like the three players that we have of a, of a different of a, a different color that's not, you know, African-American or white. Or give London the Jags versus Dolphins and, you know, call it a day. Yeah, it's very surface level. And I don't think that's the problem with the NFL when you talk about growing the game, when you talk about finding creative things. Um, there's just not a real expansion strategy that goes beyond surface level posturing, pandering, and and really marketing that's really the only kind of strategy and that's not really genuine it's not authentic it's not something that i think really um is going to help build the game um and the goodell way has sort of we talked a little bit about this last time like kyle shanahan using everyone as pawns everything is a pawn everything is just yeah. a chessboard on a chess piece Goodell's very much that same way about different types of people, different demographics that he wants to target to. It's just they're they're all pawns. There's no real uh, substance behind anything that he seems to do, um, and everything is geared towards money. It's not necessarily geared towards doing the right things by the game or trying to expand the game in the right way, um, protecting the players. And, and that's, you know, maybe a little bit of a diatribe on, on some of those things. But um, I think that's what frustrates fans so much is that it's not that people don't like some of the, the things that they've done with the end racism, with yeah. the, the intercept cancer, with like those are all good things. But the way the NFL goes about it is it feels very manipulative. It feels false and fake. And it feels like it's a money grab. Yep. And one of the other issues that I forgot to mention was the whole stadium relocation thing in um um it's happening in St. Louis now. And there's not there's just things that are getting I feel like a little bit out of control in terms of cuz they're they're getting to a certain size, so increased importance means increased scrutiny, deservedly so, but you need to have someone to combat that. I mean, Goodell 
and I don't know, Goodell doesn't have necessarily the experience. He graduated and, you know, with a degree in economics and not saying that's bad at all. Um, but then he worked for the NFL for like his adult life. Like he doesn't have a good, maybe a, a maybe a full understanding of how, you know, strategic CEOs plan out their vision long-term. And, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm probably undercutting the guy a little bit or underestimating him a little bit, but it's not it's not bad to say hey maybe this is beyond Roger's skill set now we need somebody else in here who's much bigger picture and can actually attack the you know end racism the intercept cancer while also putting processes in to make sure things like Washington football team don't happen again mm-hmm. uh, without you know um, you know w- w- without having to go through this whole big public scrutiny thing so that's kind of w- the point I wanted to bring bring all this yeah. together so yeah I um, think the the one thing just one last point yeah. here I think the 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 one place that we really see this exemplified is the NFL draft and you see some of the things that he does during the NFL draft like his chair and like some of the goofy stuff that you're like <laughs> yeah. what is that about like what what is you know so that it seems to give you a little bit of a window into his mindset of like he doesn't think on the large scale he doesn't think of things outside of just the surface and just public perception it's it's what's really authentic what's really going to help things grow um, and i think that's the the major shortcoming that we're seeing in a lot of facets um, of the NFL game. So we're going to have kind of like a rapid fire game section this week. Is that okay with you, Matt? That is perfectly fine. We do not have Bill's picks. He, um, he is out doing other things, um, things. doing dad things. And so we'll fill in his picks a little bit later. Um, Very, very brief recap of where we were at last week. Zach and I were both seven and eight with our picks. Um, I was the only one on New England, um, so that was my big call-out. Zach had some good call-outs on Carolina over Atlanta, uh, San Francisco over uh, Chicago, uh, and he and I were both on the New York Giants covering against Kansas City uh, Chiefs. Um, Bill was 9-6, and six, so he led the, the, uh, led the clubhouse. Uh, he was the only one on Pittsburgh. He was the only one on Philadelphia because uh, we were both tricked by Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. Um, and then in terms of our survivor pool, Ugh. we had our first loss. Zach Lou, yeah. uh, lost Cincinnati yeah. um, after begging them not to let him down. <laughs> they ultimately did. Um, so we had our first survivor loss of the year, uh, Zach losing Cincinnati. Uh, myself, I survived on the Los Angeles Rams, and Bill survived on the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that hurt. I thought, but the seven and eight part is music to my ears because I thought we we did way worse. So yeah, not as bad, okay. not as bad as we would have expected. So we're still in the area of Bill here. We're still, um, you know, it only takes one or two big weeks, and we're also still better. We're in the like the seventieth percentile of of experts who pick. So yeah, uh, exactly. We're still okay. So all right. Well, we will start out our picks with the Thursday night, so we'll rapid fire these, and if there's any you know, short little diatribes we want to run into, we can, uh, but we'll start out with our Thursday night game, New York Jets and Indianapolis Colts, Jets coming off of that shocking win over the Cincinnati Bengals, Indianapolis coming off of an overtime loss uh, to the Tennessee Titans, Indy favored by 10.5. 
where you stand. I take Indy ten, minus 10.5. I think they're going to see Mike White, see that he only throws the running backs, be able to snuff that out. And then you got to think, when did the Colts start thinking about benching Carson Wentz so they don't have to give up their first-round pick this year because they've pretty much lost the division with last week's game. But regardless, taking Colts minus 10.5. Colts minus 10.5. I am going to just – I'm going to sh- – I'm going to go with the Jets. Okay. Um, I am like 0 for 2 picking the Jets, so, but I'll just run with them here because I think um, I think Carson Wentz is going to be a little bit in his own head. I think the Jets have figured out how to leverage Michael Carter. They, they're getting Corey Davis back. And, and Mike White did throw around um, – a little bit more than just to Ty Johnson and to Michael Carter. Uh, Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder had decent days. I think Corey Davis coming back uh, is going to give them a little bit of um, additional fire firepower. I do think Indy will win this game, but I do think the Jets can cover because Thursday night's weird and a bunch of weird things can happen. Fair enough. Thursday night games are weird. You're 100% right. All right. All right, Zach, on Indy, I am on the Jets. We will move on to uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland. Cincinnati favored by two and a half over the beleaguered Browns. I think Cincinnati recognizes the importance of this game. I think they're probably embarrassed from last week, and I have no reason whatsoever to have faith in this Browns team. So Cincinnati minus mm-hmm. two and a half. Yeah, I'm not picking Cleveland for the remainder of the year. Um, I I literally believe that this amount of um, lunacy that they are currently experiencing is going to send them into an absolute tailspin. Uh, I believe that tailspin began after losing to Pittsburgh. It will continue against Cincinnati. So what, what happened to Cincinnati against the Jets is an anomaly. I think they started to read a little bit of their own press clippings yeah. after that big win over um, over Baltimore. I think they probably came into that game a little with a little bit of a lack of focus. Um, I don't expect that in a tough divisional uh, matchup against Cleveland. Um, Cleveland's reeling. Cincinnati is going to be resurgent. Uh, Cincinnati, no problem. And for as bad as Cincinnati was last week, they still almost won. Had it not been for a fluke turnover and a fluke uh, penalty, they still would have won despite playing like shit the entire game. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, definitely bounce back game for Cincinnati. Uh, Next game, we will fire through Dallas and Denver. Uh, Dallas favored by 10. I have Dallas by 10. Broncos can't stop anyone. It's a slow death every time they play. Their linebackers can't stop uh, running backs out of the backfield or on the ground. So expect big mm-hmm. day. I would expect big days from Zeke and from Pollard, um, like double fantasy days from both. So I'm taking Cowboys minus 10. Yeah, this is um, this is absolutely Dallas. I think Dallas is. I mean, my goodness, they beat Minnesota with Cooper Rush, a backup quarterback, who played really well in that game. Um, and that defense held a pretty talented Minnesota offense to just 16 points. If they did that to Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and uh, Justin Jefferson, imagine what they're going to do to Teddy Bridgewater and Melvin Gordon and company without Noah Fant, who's on COVID protocol. Um, No question here. Dallas is a Super Bowl contender. Dallas is significantly better than Denver. Uh, Dallas, no issue. Agree there. All right. Next game, uh, battle of some pretty rough franchises. We got Miami and Houston. Um, probably for the first time in a while, Miami is favored by six and a half. You have Tyrod Taylor potentially coming back this week, which could be huge for the Texans. Uh, but even if they don't, I'm still going to take the Texans. Uh, they've If they ha- would have traded away more veterans at the deadline, I would have. Um, I would have. I would be... Um, 
wouldn't be as optimistic this game, but I still think they have enough they can beat the Dolphins. So Texans plus six and a half. Yeah, I just want to take a brief moment before I make my pick to um, just cast shade upon <laughs> Stephen Ross. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was he was the architect behind the Deshaun Watson pursuit. Um, one of the dumbest things that I've seen because now you've not only not ended up with a quarterback, but you have done significant damage to Tua Tagovailoa's um, confidence. Um, not feeling like he's wanted, feeling like his future isn't in Miami, creating a distraction not just for your quarterback but for your entire locker room. And newsflash, you didn't even end up with Deshaun Watson. So all of this was for naught. Um, a completely mismanaged um, situation by Stephen Ross. I feel bad for Brian Flores because I think he wanted no part of this, uh, and yet he is somehow embroiled in it. Um, I am going to go with Houston okay. as well because this is a psychological week for me. I think the Browns have a broken psyche. I think Miami has a broken psyche uh, after all of the drama that they have had to deal with over the past really two months. Um, I think Houston takes advantage of this. Houston, I think, is a hungrier team. Um and whether it's Davis Mills or whether it's Tyrod Taylor, I think Houston can do uh, uh, some damage here. You could also look at it as the pressure's off for the Dolphins now. They go out and play. Just putting that tidbit in there in case Dolphins That's blow true. by 30, we can always look back and say we said it was a possibility. Let's say we were right about something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, next one, um, we have New Orleans and Atlanta. New Orleans fresh off of a huge victory with a backup quarterback, Trevor, Trevor Simeon, over the reigning Super Bowl champion, Buccaneers. Uh, Atlanta coming off of a tough loss where Matt Ryan's hand mm. was just gnarly um, against the Carolina Panthers. New Orleans favored by six. Uh, it looks like New Orleans is going to get Taysom Hill back, and he presents a problem for a defense like Atlanta. Uh, so I, who he can get out and run, he can power run, he can throw pretty, he can throw deep passes uh, as well. Um, so I think that I think that that's going to be too much for Atlanta, um, who is now down Calvin Ridley for an indeterminable amount, indeterminable amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, and the Calvin Ridley situation, um, you can read. We've got the power rankings coming out, and I do a little bit of commentary, but um, I'll just take a brief amount of time here on the pod. I Just to, in my opinion, I, I applaud Calvin Ridley. I don't know your perspective, yeah. but there are things that are more important than football, um, and I applaud Calvin Ridley for taking the time to tend to his health, tend to his family, um, and tend to his mental well-being. Um, so I know there's a lot of hatred um, from fantasy owners and just trolls uh, alike that are upset with Calvin Ridley for the decision that he's making. But I think um, kudos to Atlanta as the organization standing behind him. Um, I think he's doing the right thing for him. I have full confidence that Calvin Ridley will be back. Uh, he will be productive. Um, and I think it's uh, just a matter of him doing the right thing uh, for him and his family. So I commend him on that. With that being said, I am on New Orleans. Um, I think you're right about the Taysom Hill call. Um, I think uh, he poses a problem. And this New Orleans defense is stout. Um, they really are good from uh, from top to bottom. Every layer of this defense uh, 
creates problems for whatever offense they're going to be facing. Uh, I think that relentless pass rush is going to cause problems for Matt Ryan. Um, there may be you know some decent yardage compiled by the likes of some of the receivers um, and Cordero Patterson, uh, but I think ultimately New Orleans um, comes away with the victory. Uh, agreed. And the thing about Ridley is you can be disappointed that about your fantasy team and also wish him well and hope he gets better. Like both things are possible, but it seems like yes. people people these days don't realize that you can have both emotions at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting how you can have empathy, but also want for you know you to win a fantasy game. It's <laughs> yes. it's weird how that can potentially exist within the same human mind. Um, so. Yeah, we'll move on to the next one. Um, Las Vegas and the New York Giants. Vegas is favored by three. Um, I'll start this one off. Um, like I said, this is my my psyche week. Um, it's at a certain stage of the game, you have to think with Las Vegas that the amount of blows that they've had to absorb mentally that that just becomes a little bit exhausting at a certain point. Um, I'm sure that is a locker room with a heavy heart. Um, based off of the Henry Rugg situation. And it's really hard to go out and play foot. It's one thing to go out when your coach was kind of a jerk and he gets fired. Yeah. And it seemed like they were better off for that. It's a little bit different when you have a promising young player that was probably friends with a lot of people in that locker room, a lot of important uh, key cogs and players that are going to have to go out and, and try to perform on um, on Sunday with, with this hanging over their heads. Um for for whatever reason, I just I lean the Giants here. I think that's going to be really difficult. It's not the the greatest rationale that I would like to choose when picking a game, but I'm just trying to be a realist. Yeah, I mean, no, that makes sense. There's a psychological element to the game. Uh, that said, I think the Giants may have too many players injured. Uh, their offensive line, I think, is too banged up. Danny Danny Dimes is not the problem with this team. They have a lot of other no. issues, even you know, going into even the coaching. I think the minus three is almost borderline disrespectful to the Raiders, or they may feel like it is. Um, and I think they're going to come out and whip, uh, try to whip some ass. I, I think the Raiders are a much better team than what – a lot of people give them credit for, and uh, I think they're going to try yeah. to prove that again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Quick question for you, though, before we move on to the next one. Danny Dimes or Baker Mayfield? Danny Dimes, 100%. Mm. He's yeah. more athletic than Baker Mayfield, throws. He doesn't have the arm strength that Baker Mayfield does for sure. Um, I think his accuracy, uh, I don't know, maybe Baker has a little bit better accuracy, but in terms of, you know, confidence command like appropriate confidence command of the offense um athleticism i'll take daniel jones they, they daniel jones was the quarterback last week they would have won i would agree with you i would agree with you i would be on danny as well he would be i think he has a lot higher upside than baker um and i think he uh, processes information a lot yes. better um and i think he's he's um he elevates players yes a lot more than i think baker does um, without all the drama that kind of comes with it. So, no, I'm, I'm in agreement there. So with that, we will jump into our next one, uh, another bout with a questionable quarterback. Um, we have New England and Mac Jones. That's not the questionable quarterback playing <laughs> Carolina and Sam Darnold. Uh, New England favored by three and a half. Uh, I'm going to go Carolina here, plus three and a half. They're at home. 
McCaffrey may come back. Darnold's limited, which means he may play. Even if he doesn't, I still think this defense is elite still and can shut down uh, the Patriots' offense, especially their running game, which they lean heavily on. And I think maybe you'll get the effect where if Darnold can't play, then it's like, okay, we all need to raise our games a little bit. DJ Moore, Robbie Andrews, like every player has to play better. You might get one of those effects um, this mm-hmm. week. So I'm taking Panthers at home plus three and a half. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go ahead with New England here. Okay. I think this New England defense is legit. Um, they looked great uh, in terms of how disruptive they could be uh, in terms of sacking Justin Herbert last week. Um, they picked him off twice. This is a, an opportunistic defense that is making splash plays. Um, and they're also playing really good fundamental football. Um, mm-hmm. Stuffing the run. Uh, they, they do struggle a little bit with backs coming out of the backfield. So McCaffrey coming back would be a significant game changer. Um, but I do believe that Bill Belichick, whether it's Sam Darnold or PJ Walker, is going to find ways to confuse um, and delay the decision making, which only gives Judon and those pass rushers time uh, to get to the quarterback. So I think this is New England. Um, I think this is a very tight defensive affair, um, but I do think that New England will will edge out Carolina here. Yeah, I could look dumb for that one because Belichick is not a good fit for Darnold. No, never has been. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. There's always there's always one that surprises um, or multiples depending on the week. Um, we'll stay in the a- the AFC East. For our next matchup, we have the Buffalo Bills visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Buffalo favored by 14 and a half. I will make this one quick. This is Buffalo, <laughs> no questions asked. Uh, Buffalo minus 14 and a half too. Uh, kind of, so embarrassed, or I should say Urban Meyer should be so embarrassed with the game plan he had coming out of a bye week. Maybe this is an example of Urban Meyer with more time can do more harm. Maybe that's the equation moving forward. Yeah, um, I I agree with you completely. I'm uh, I'm 100% on Buffalo. I think this is going to be a lot of turnovers on the Buffalo defense. I look for good games from uh, actually one I'll call out is Zach Moss. Um, and Dawson Knox is likely to come back from that hand in- injury. Um, tight ends have shredded uh, the Jacksonville defense. Uh, I think it'll be uh, interesting. If Now, if Knox doesn't play, um, it might want to throw a DFS flyer on Gabe Davis. He's been kind of operating in that uh, Dawson Knox role uh, with Knox sidelined. Sounds good. All right good deal um baltimore is our next uh, we've got purple teams in the next matchup uh baltimore and minnesota uh baltimore favored by six what do you got Uh, i'm going minnesota plus six i feel like you're gonna get them at a good value and i think they do a lot of things that um can attack this baltimore defense their passing offense can be great um especially against the secondary which has struggled against big plays at times i.e the Bengals game Uh, and they have a great running back who can um, make them pay on the ground and i think the vikings they'll give up one or two shots um you know deep shots on defense this week but they have the athletic players to keep Lamar from running for 130 yards on 10 carries. Um, I think that the Vikings can do this, and I think you're getting them at such a steep discount because of how bad they looked um, the last time they played on Monday night. So I'm going Vikings plus six. Yeah, I think this is a Lamar arm game. I don't think this is a Lamar leg game. Um, And I think, you know, I think you're going to see some nice passing from Lamar in this game. Um, I look for big days from from Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. 
Um, I did not. I mean, listen, this Minnesota defense gave up over 300 passing yards to Cooper Rush. Um, and I don't foresee them stifling um, Lamar Jackson. You're right from a couple different standpoints. I think Baltimore does need to stiffen up against the run. Um, they blitz quite a bit. I'd like to see them play a little more base defense, particularly in this matchup against Dalvin Cook. Uh, when you're sitting more in a base defense, um, you don't open up quite as many holes if you if you end up blitzing the wrong gap or whatever that might be. Um I think they're doing that because they maybe are a little bit insecure about their pass rush because a lot of their significant pass rushers are younger guys, um, but they don't have to do that. Those younger guys have been productive. So I'd rather see them sit in this game a little bit more in base defense. I think that'll help them uh, stop the run a little bit more uh, than they have been and not expose themselves uh, if they end up making the wrong call. So, um, yeah, Minnesota will probably be able to move the ball a little bit. Uh, Cook kid probably still be effective. Um, but I do think that on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Lamar should be able to carve uh, this Vikings defense apart. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right. Uh, So you're on Minnesota. I am on Baltimore. Uh, Next game, I'm very surprised about this spread. Um, Los Angeles Chargers against the Philadelphia Eagles. Los Angeles favored only by one and a half. I think Los Angeles is going to, they're going to start feeling the pressure in this division, having dropped a couple recently that they need to win. And I would just be shocked. Like I'm just visualizing the game and I imagine it, I imagine it getting out of hand relatively early for the for the Eagles. Um, I would be I will be surprised. I'll be more I'll be shocked if the Eagles win or cover this game. Yeah, I'm I would be astounded. Um, and the fact of the matter is Philadelphia, and I've been saying this for weeks, Philadelphia's run defense is atrocious. Um, and it, they give up a lot of fantasy points to running backs. I'm looking at a matchup with Austin Eckler, uh, who, whether by ground or by air, is probably going to shred this Philadelphia defense. Um, and a lot of the problems, uh, if you the upcoming power rankings, I'll give a little bit of preview, a lot of the problems come from Nick Sirianni's inability to play complementary football. Uh, this offense does not stay on the field long enough. They don't have long or sustained drives. They don't run the ball to take time off the clock and keep the ball in their possession long enough to get, let their defense rest. Uh, Fletcher Cox has criticized this defensive scheme, um, but he should also be criticizing the head coach because they are not scheming a game plan that keeps this offense on the field long enough for this defense to catch their breath. Um, they're playing far too much, and that's why you're seeing these gaudy run numbers uh, going up against Philly. This is a bad matchup for Philly. Um, there's very low percentage that Philadelphia will cover or win this game. Um, I agree with you on almost everything that you said. Um, you're also getting Brandon Staley back against the wall, Brandon Staley, versus mm-hmm. maybe a little bit fat and happy, Nick Sirianni, who wants everyone to fertilize their plants every day. It's just a mismatch in the coaching department. And I think that uh, Brandon Staley is going to come out looking for a big win. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think that pressure um, is a good thing. I think when you look at a couple of the last games that that the Chargers played, a little bit of humbling experiences, um, get them to reset their their mindset. Um, I think they'll be back with a vengeance. Mm Mm-hmm. Next one that I'm just really looking forward to getting your perspective on. 
we talked a little bit about it at the onset. Kansas City um, going to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers not playing because of immunization. Kansas City favored by seven and a half. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking Green Bay plus seven and a half. The spread was minus two and a half before, while Rodgers was still playing. And I don't understand why Vegas it can't get the Chiefs right. It's been like this for two years now. Like, what part of Monday night made Vegas go? You know, you know what? I think they can beat. I think they can beat the Packers by two and a half points. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't understand what they're like. The, they were favored on Monday night by ten and a half points. Everyone with a right mind, you know, put their money on the Giants. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing about this Chiefs team that should be scary. Uh, seven and a half. Um, you know the Packers all around are a better team than you know. I think people are willing to give them credit for, and I think they do enough to keep this game close uh, against Mahomes. I think they have the the threats in the secondary, or not the threats, the defenders in the secondary to limit the threats uh, of the Chiefs and make it very difficult for them to move the ball. And I think, I mean, this I'm always a Matt Lafleur truther, so let's see how well he can scheme up Jordan Love. Um, to to score a few touchdowns here, so I'm taking the Packers plus seven and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> I said I think a couple of weeks back that I am not going to go on to Kansas City unless they show me something, and they have shown me nothing. Yeah, um, they just haven't. And the fact of the matter is, um, even with Aaron Rodgers out, um, you know they they didn't have Devonte Adams, and they still beat Arizona, which is a far superior team to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Matt LaFleur did a lot of things in that game, um, in particular with Aaron Jones, uh, flexing him out wide, keeping A.J. Dillon in the game. I kind of talked about this, like how you can keep um, both those players in and, yep. and leverage their skill sets with with Adams out. And I loved the sort of pop screens uh, where they would get kind of into a bunch set. The receivers would um, would block you just throw the ball to Aaron Jones, let him make one guy miss, and then he's getting 10 yards. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really good way to kind of manage that offense. I'm going to look for really similar things, but then you factor in that Devontae Adams is going to be on the field. I think um, Green Bay is easily going to be able to establish the run on Kansas City's yes. defense, whether with Dylan or Jones, and that's going to give Jordan Love the ability to play off a play-action pass, bootleg, use his legs to make some plays uh, outside of the pocket, um, simplify his reads for him, sort of the Carson Wentz formula that we've talked about for the past couple of weeks. Um, uh, Matt LaFleur is going to be able to utilize these things. I look for big game, a big game from Aaron Jones. I think Jordan Love is startable depending on what your options are in fantasy football. I would absolutely take a flyer on him in DFS. Um and I would look for, you know, don't worry about Devontae Adams. He's going to be in there. He's going to be fine. Um, I think this is a game that Green Bay um, is easily going to win even without Aaron Rodgers. I think that'll be rare to podcast on the Packers this week, especially after the Rodgers news. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be an entertaining game. Um, but Green Bay, I think, does have the horses and the formula is out. And Andy Reid is not going to change his system. He's not going to adjust. If he didn't adjust four weeks ago, he's not going to do it now. Um, so Kansas City is doomed um, to whatever whatever their coach leaves them subjected to. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs won on Monday, but they 
they didn't figure anything out. You know, it's very right. clear that this is the team you're going to get all year. You know, there's exactly. no one, you know, there's that scene in Zero Dark Thirty. I love that movie where he comes in. And I forget what the position of the character is. He comes in and he says, there's no other team on some other floor talking about getting Bin Laden. Like, this is it. And I feel the same way about the Chiefs. There's no other player coming in to help save this team. Like, this, these are the players that you have this year. And I feel like people aren't getting that. So. Yep. Yep. They are what they are for better or worse. Um, more likely worse. <laughs> so next one, uh, we've got an NFC West showdown, Arizona fresh off their first loss um, against San Francisco. I'm really shocked by this one too. Arizona only favored by one. I'm going to take the 49ers this, this week plus one at home. Um, you're going to see a much more traditional attack. The last time they played, the Cardinals won by seven, and that was when Trey Lance was playing, could have complete 50% of his passes. I think you're going to see a running game that's kind of gotten on track here. Um, I know Elijah Mitchell is a little banged up, but even if someone else, you know, that running attack is replaceable. Uh, I think you're going to see Garoppolo um, navigate a much more traditional uh, offense with Samuel and Ayuk, and I think that, you know, remember last year when Kyler Murray got nicked up near the middle to end of the season his effectiveness fell off a cliff and he was a little banged up at the end of that Packers game so I think the the I maybe eight times out of ten these teams play the Cardinals lose or the Cardinals win I think maybe the right mixture of events have happened where the 49ers can take this one at home so I'm going 49ers plus one I am absolutely not going to do that <laughs> um I I'm 100% on Arizona here. Um, a couple things to point out. Um, even if Kyler Murray is a little bit banged up, one of the things I'd love to see them do a little bit more in Arizona is lean on Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Mm -hmm. I don't think San Francisco's run defense it really has the horses to stand up against Arizona. Um, Arizona's run game. Chase Edmonds is averaging 5.7 yards a carry. I have no idea why Cliff Kingsbury is not giving this dude the ball more often um, to take some of that pressure away from Kyler Murray and draw some of those safeties up into the box. It's only going to make life easier for DeAndre Hopkins, Christian, Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz, and Rondell Moore. So I absolutely think that um, they need to lean on the run more in Arizona. Uh, that could be something they might want to do to protect Kyler for the long haul. Uh, no way San Francisco can stop that. I don't think San Francisco can stop this offense, whether or not they run the ball or not. Um, when I look at San Francisco, Debo Samuel has a calf injury. And uh, interesting stat that I pulled up, Debo Samuel has 827 receiving yards as of this week. I would love to hear your guess as to who is the second leading receiver on the team and how many yards do they have? Mm, second leading receiver. Um, I would say if I had to guess, it would be Trent Sherfield. Mm, it's George Kittle who hasn't played wow. since week four. Okay. I was thinking about going with him, but I, that's what I thought. I thought he hasn't played in a while. So I'll go with Sherfield or Sherfield, whatever his name is. Yeah, and I think Kittle, Let Kittle has... Yards. Let me guess how many yards. Yeah. He has played four games. He, and he, didn't really, he didn't really have a great start either. So I'll say he had 170 yards. Close. 212, I think. Okay. 
Wow. I'm going off my memory. It's in the power rankings. You'll be able to see it. Uh, their second leading receiver is Mohamed Sanu. Um, so th- this oh, is this God. is brutal. Um, so if Debo Samuel is at, at all hampered by a calf injury, what where do they go? Kittle's not coming back from IR this week. They can try to run the ball with Eli Mitchell, but Eli Mitchell has rib and shoulder injuries. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Perhaps Trey Lance can play running back or he can get in <laughs> and play the tight end position. Um, I mean, you did draft him number three overall. It's true. He should be versatile um, enough to do anything. Should be versatile. I have to wonder, uh, this is a bit of a sidebar. Um, I have to wonder if there was any buyer's remorse while Kyle Shanahan was watching Justin Fields run for over a hundred <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Had to have. He had to have a little bit of buyer's remorse because he looks significantly better than Trey Lance, even though the Bears are a bit of a dumpster fire at the moment. Um, I don't know. That's just my my own little sidebar. I would, if there's anyone in the NFL I could give a vial of truth serum to, it would be Kyle Shanahan after the last nine months. Yeah. Completely unhinged. <laughs> Completely. I need to know what's going on inside his head. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a circus in there. Um all the carnival music, everything. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. All right, so you are on San Francisco. Yeah. I am on Arizona. Um, our next matchup is the Los Angeles Rams against the Derrick Henry-less Tennessee Titans. Uh, Rams, uh, understandably favored by seven and a half. I'm taking the Rams minus seven and a half. Uh, luckily, the Titans are four games up in the division. Have pr- pretty much locked their locked the a playoff spot up at this point. Uh, they may be able to do be okay without Henry, but it's going to take them more than a week to figure it out. You know, they, maybe in two or three weeks they'll figure out their offensive mojo sans Henry because he's been such a large piece of that offensive puzzle the last you know three four years. But it's going to take them a while. And I think they're probably going to sputter uh, out of the gate against the Rams and this Rams team. How they played last week and how they've played the last few weeks, they are. If you're sub, if you're an inferior team, they're going to come out and try to and try to end this game in the first half. The only team they weren't mm-hmm. able to do that with was was the Lions. But everyone else, if you're inferior, they want to get off the field by halftime. The starters do. So I'm taking Rams minus yeah. seven and a half. Yeah, I'm on the Rams as well. Um, I think the more interesting team to watch in this game is going to be Tennessee. I'm really intrigued to see how they plan to replace Derrick Henry with. Uh, it's going. It looks like it's going to be a combination of Adrian Peterson and. Um, <laughs> and Jeremy McNichols. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out in practice. Um, But to be honest with you, the team or the component of this team that absolutely needs to get its stuff together or the individual who needs to get his stuff together is Julio Jones. Yep. Um, Especially with Derrick Henry out. I mean, this was a two horse offense and now it's really down to one horse with AJ Brown and Julio Jones um, if I were a defense right now, I would be bracketing A.J. Brown and I would be daring Julio Jones to beat me one-on-one because I don't think he can do it right now. I don't know if he still has some latent effects from uh, past injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he is yet to gel with Ryan Tannehill. Um, but Julio Jones has absolutely not lived up to the billing thus far and he is going to need to do so if this team is going to continue to be competitive. 
um, and maintain their position in the AFC playoff hunt. They'll likely win their division, uh, but there's going to be a difference between you know what happens in the next round of the playoffs, or even if you, you know, who your potential matchup is going to be. You know, there's a difference between playing Pittsburgh and playing Cincinnati or Baltimore. Um, you know, so they're they're going to need to get their 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 stuff together, and I think this offensive coordinator is going to need to find a way to, to um, get Julio Jones the ball um, and get him comfortable in this offense. And you just have a receiver who never practices with a new offensive coordinator, and I mean that's just a tough that's tough mixture to make sure all goes well in the regular season, and especially yeah. in season if you're not practicing, you're not going to build in a rapport. So, yeah, um, yeah. Very unlikely they're going to get right against one of the top five teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be on tennis. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to be on the Rams uh, just like you. And then we'll move to our Monday night game: uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and Chicago Bears. Is this in Pittsburgh? It is. Or it's in Pittsburgh. Yes, it is. Uh, Pittsburgh favored by six and a half, coming off of uh, three straight wins over Denver, Seattle, and Cleveland. Um, Chicago coming off of a loss to the San Francisco 49ers. What do you got? Steelers have the, the personnel to on, on defense to make this a nightmare for Justin Fields. Uh, I know Fields had a good game last week, but this defense will um, make Fields very uncomfortable. And I think that the Steelers' offense – it didn't look great last week, but it looked better than it had at any other point in the season. It's slowly but surely getting a little bit better. I think at home they can win by by a touchdown. Um, I think if the defense plays as well as it's capable of, this could be like a you know a seventeen point game uh, with a couple picks uh, thrown in there, sack fumbles. So um, nothing TJ Watt loves more than sacking and stripping a quarterback, and nothing Justin Fields does more than get sacked and fumble the ball. So yeah, I think the big component of this game um, that's going to change the equation is Matt Nagy is returning. So it's worse for the Bears. So it's worse for the Bears. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean um, to steal your punchline. Yeah, in, in particular, it's worse for Justin Fields. Um, listen, I I I don't need to go over how high I am on Justin Fields um, and how misused he's been thus far. Um, but this is a Pittsburgh defense that I think is going to give him fits. Um, the the Bears don't have the horses in the pass game. Um, to deal with Pittsburgh yeah. secondary, this is going to be this is a tough defense for any quarterback, let alone a rookie quarterback with a bad playing in a bad offensive scheme behind a really bad offensive line. Um, the only hope Chicago has is they're able to establish the run. Uh, Mike Tomlin, I think, is going to be uh, ready to take that away, even though Khalil Herbert has played really, really well um, thus far. I just don't foresee a scenario that. Uh, Fields comes into this hostile of an environment with this many things, um, not just what Pittsburgh's doing, but what Matt Nagy's going to do, mounted against him. Um, so, yeah, this is Pittsburgh for me. All right. Rapid fire. Done in the 69th minute. Nice. Knocked it out. We do have one last piece, though, oh, that you always forget. <laughs> it's the did. Survivor. Oh, it's geez. a survivor. So even though you technically did not survive, uh, okay, um, yeah. we're going to allow you to make another pick. Um, if you had to pick one team, who is it? Uh, Bills. Um, and if you want it, if you want kind of like a sneaky one where you can't always pick the same team, 
Um, I think this could be a Steelers week. I doubt you've used them. Uh, mm. This could also be a 49ers week. I wouldn't. Uh, Kyler might not practice all week. I don't think that's a good sign for them. So, But I, that's more of a speculative one. You probably haven't used the Steelers. I would go with the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. If you if you got one and, and you can use a team as often as you would like, Buffalo um, Buffalo's who you should be on. Um, but if you need to look for uh, some alternatives, teams that I'm very, very confident in, uh, Dallas is going to be one of them. Um, I would not go with New Orleans and Atlanta, even though I think um, I I stay away from divisional games. uh, So I would not get into any of those particular matchups. So Dallas over Denver is a good one. New England over Carolina, I think is another safe bet uh, with the Darnold and Belichick connection. Los Angeles Chargers against Philly, even though the Chargers are going from, uh, from left to right coast. Um, I think the Chargers will absolutely defeat the Philadelphia Eagles, no problem. Um, you could go with Pittsburgh as well. So I think those are your your other ones. Um, so just to recap those, Dallas, New England, Los Angeles Chargers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers if you're looking for a uh, unique flyer. I like it. I like it. All right. Covered a lot of ground today in a relatively short period of time. We did. We did. Uh, I like it, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate everyone who's listening. All right. Thanks, listeners. Um, And we are going to have the power rankings releasing this week as well. Um, I spent a decent chunk of time doing that. So, again, try to make me feel like I'm not wasting my life. (laughs) Um, There's a new number one. So Arizona was our reigning number one. There is a new uh, sheriff in town. Um, And I'd like to get some perspective. Feel free to give us some shout outs on Twitter. Uh, let me know if you agree or disagree and also know that I don't care, but I will happily engage with you on it. Awesome. All right. I'll see you everyone. See you, Matt. All right. Later. Peace.